In today's episode, I explore an important topic that's near and dear to me as a mama of three, soon to be four, yes, I said it, much to my husband and I's surprise, we are expecting baby number four, and that is today we're going to learn about how to mindfully return to the workforce after baby, an episode that has applications for both moms and dads returning to work, balancing new roles while managing workloads. And today I'm talking to Lori Mahalik Levin. Lori is founder and CEO of Mindful Return, author of Back to Work After Baby, How to Plan and Navigate a Mindful Return from Maternity Leave, and co-host of the Parents at Work podcast. She is mama to two wonderful redheaded boys, ages nine and 11, and is a healthcare lawyer in private practice. Her thought leadership has been featured in publications including Forbes, The Washington Post, New York Times Parenting, Thrive Global, and The Huffington Post. And in this episode, Lori shares really practical tips and suggestions to help you as you acclimate back to work after baby. Suggestions that, frankly, I'd wish I had when I had my first little one and will surely implement now. Additionally, Lori is a soul-inspiring business leader who was led to this work, was courageous enough to make it a business because she saw a need to be filled, and she now partners with corporations around the globe, helping them implement her Mindful Return program. If you're a soon-to-be or new mom or dad, or know someone that could use this information, please share. It's a good one, and it all starts now. I'm Kara, and welcome to Soul Inspiring Business. I believe that all of us possess unique gifts and talents that allow us to serve the world and our own growth in the highest possible way. Our lives are an expression of our thoughts, beliefs, and actions. And here, we will explore businesses, thought leaders, and topics designed to inspire, helping propel your own growth so you can live your best and most purposeful life. Welcome to Soul Inspiring Business. So today, I am really thrilled to introduce you to Lori Mahalik-Levin. She is the founder and author of Mindful Return, has a new book out called Back to Work After Baby. And we're going to dig in and unpack all of that. Um, But I was introduced to Lori by um, another guest on the show, and he's become a friend. And um, he was just, you know, saying how impressed he's been with, with all you've created. And I think what's impressive to me too, is that, um, it, some of it, and we'll dig into your story has come out of COVID and kind of, I'm always really interested in, in talking to people that have had a, you know, a life change where they've kind of answered a calling in some ways, you know, where they've been able to, you've had a job, but then realized that maybe you were meant for something a little different and then had the courage to make that change. And so I'm really excited to hear more about, you know, what that looked like for you and your story, but, but we'll get started into all that. Welcome to the show. (laughs) Thank you, Kara. It's a real pleasure to be here. Thanks for having me on. Yeah. So um, as I mentioned, you you had uh, had a, a career in the corporate setting and um, very successful attorney um, and then had, you know, really just kind of created this business as a side business and called Mindful Return and with the whole intent of really helping people um, transition back into the work world after having a baby, um, which, you know, that has, I've been through that and it, it's, 
it's difficult, you know, it's a, it's a whole, not only are you caring for a little human, but you're also just kind of figuring out, okay, now I've got all these different identities and roles that we're playing. How do Mm -hmm. I, you know, balance it all. And so um, you're really helping people do that in a big way. So tell us more about, you know, your, a little bit more about your background and your story and what prompted you and inspired you into, you know, this new change of work. Thank you, Kara. So yeah, I am a very unlikely entrepreneur. Um, I'm a risk averse lawyer, never, ever thought I would run my own business. And yet desperation drove me to to try to solve a problem. Um, As you mentioned, I'm a lawyer. I um, am a healthcare attorney and I focus on a pretty esoteric area of Medicare reimbursement. And I love that role. And, um, you know, I returned to work full time after having my two babies and I discovered one that it was way more challenging than I anticipated Two that people in an office setting often just assume that everything will be back to normal and nothing has really changed. And three, that there were so many baby focused resources out there. I mean, I could take a course on how to puree baby food or massage my baby or like pump or come up with a birth plan. But there were no courses out there that anyone could take, at least that I could find, about how to navigate the personal and professional identity transition that you mentioned as a parent going through it. And so I grew frustrated and I looked around for resources and I found snarky advice on the Internet about how I shouldn't put a photo of my baby on my desk and, you know, all this other silly stuff, but nothing meaningful. Wow. And um, my husband, who is, you know, an entrepreneur and a career coach and has an MBA. So I feel like at least our household has an MBA, even if I don't, um, (laughs) you know, he said to me, well, what are you going to do about this? You know, and I sort of decided at that time that I would open up my computer and despite shaking fingers, start blogging and writing about the subject. And then I really set out to create a program that I wished had existed for myself whenever I went back to work after having a baby. Mm-hmm. That was about eight years ago. And as you suggested, I've you know shifted over time for about the first year and a half that I ran this program. It was very much my evening uh, side project, passion project, you know, side hustle, whatever you want to call it. And then about a year and a half in, I shifted to working. Um, I left my in-house lawyer role and went back to law firm world. And I was a partner in a global law firm on a 60% schedule for about five years. Um, and I you know, split my time, 60% lawyer, 40% mindful return. I wanted some daylight hours to work on it. Mm-hmm. And then in my sixth year at the firm, I flipped, I, I scooched it down a little and I was 50% and then 50%. And then the pandemic hit. Parents suffered and struggled in massive ways. And I think it really accelerated both my desire to help working parents and, you know, companies need for resources and tools that could help. So it was the pandemic that then drove me to do this a much bigger percentage of the time. I left my partner role last summer and now I'm probably like, two thirds mindful return, one third law where I I run my own firm. And, you know, now law is my side gig. Mm. And I think there's a lot of lessons in that. I mean, just um, taking just the, the actual business aside and looking at like for anybody that is out there that has, have felt a calling or felt like, wow. I mean, you know, businesses are best when they solve problems. Right. And so that's really what, you were looking at is how can I help people? Um, I think businesses that 
we're, we've transitioned so much into like such a service, um, hopefully for most businesses that thrive, you know, it's because they're looking at how do I solve problems and how can I really be of service to other people and, um, and kind of leading from the heart in that way. Right. And coming Mm -hmm. at it in, okay, now I, this is something that I really want to help other people with. Mm -hmm. How do I do that? But I also have this other job and how do, you know, how does that, and, and sometimes I think it's also a lesson in, it doesn't have to be immediate. It doesn't mean like yeah. I, you have this idea and then you leave your job right then and there, you know, this yeah. was something that happened over time because you followed the guidance. You followed your heart in feeling out what felt right. And, you know, then ultimately here you are and yeah. Um, you know, so I think that that's just a, a good lesson for a lot of people that may also be feeling called, but not really sure how to explore it. You explore it by taking action and taking, trying it out where it goes. Yeah, exactly. It doesn't have to be binary. It's not like, oh, today I'm a practicing lawyer and tomorrow I've given it all up. Um, I also just want to cite the research that shows that people who have a passion project or a side gig are actually happier in their day jobs. And I think that's because, you know, you're therefore not relying on your job to be your sole source of fulfillment and using all the parts of your brain that you want to use. I know I was a lot happier lawyer because I also had this mindful return thing going on and I got to use skills around community building and blogging and mentoring that I wasn't using in my day job. But I also Mm -hmm. really like the analytical reasoning and whatever of the law that, you know, I can still do, um, but in a smaller amount. So I love... Uh, you're emphasizing that it can be a both and it doesn't have to be an either or at least, you know, the first day that you're, you know, getting yeah. out of the gate. Yeah. At least initially. Yeah. Cause I think a lot of people sometimes think, gosh, I've, I have this like dream of what I may want to do, but I can't leave my day job. So then they just don't do the thing. Right. <laughs> and right. So <laughs> you're like, but do the thing, do the thing 20 minutes a day. Job. That's yes, right. Exactly. Like block it off, get an accountability buddy, you know, somebody who's going to say, did you do your 15 to 20 minutes a day? And what are you doing during that 15 to 20 minutes? And, you know, over a long period of time, yeah, sure. You don't move as fast as if you were doing it full time, but you do something, you get it off the ground. Yeah. Well, and I, I think also just the financial aspect of it is a, is a piece of it, right? Because in the beginning there's, you know, if you're, you know, making a successful salary as a, as an attorney, right. And you've got bonuses, whatever that structure looks like. I mean, it would be really scary to be like, okay, I'm going to go all in on this and I'm going to, you know, it doesn't work like that. You can't substitute the income right away. So, um, but that fear holds people back from actually, again, doing the thing. So if you Mm -hmm. can, um, do it in a way where you can, you know, over time build it. And then also it allows you to market test too, and Mm -hmm. see how is the market going to respond to this and what do I, what is the right messaging and how do I make it so that it's really the highest possible product for other people out there too. Um, I'd imagine that was part of the learning curve too, for you. Oh, absolutely. I mean, you can't have the perfect product right out of the gate, right? I mean, you've got to test it with their audience and then make tweaks over time and get a lot of feedback. And, um, you know, it's an iterative process with lots of learnings. And yes, it is so helpful when you can have the financial stability of that, say, professional day job um, as you're dabbling and experimenting. Yeah, no. So I, so I appreciate you kind of going with me on that. Cause I think that's a, 
you know, for anybody listening that may have that passion thing, you know, that the, the lesson here is just do the thing, right. Do that the you're thing. called to yes. do and then see where it goes. And be patient. I mean, like sales cycles are super long, depending on what the product is. But, you know, um, oftentimes it's a waiting game and a waiting process. Another, you know, reason to keep the day thing going on for a while. Um, I mean, I have some clients. So a lot of employers offer my program as a parental leave benefit. And I have some employers who they hear about it. They sign up. Great. I had one law firm. They did a demo and they tried it out. And then four years later, they wrote back and said, we're ready now. And so, I mean, not, not everyone um, turns on a dime and you sort of just have to go with the flow and know that people will make decisions in their own time. And those decisions may not align with your need to get clients really quickly. <laughs> right, right. And actually, that's a good lesson too. I mean, sometimes even if you've got a lot of corporate clients, they may be, they have to budget or allocate for things yes. at certain times of the year, you know, so you've got to be patient with that as well. So, yeah. but tell me, so, you know, now are really, again, helping parents as they transition, what are the top things that you hear from parents? I mean, I'm sure I could imagine as a mother <laughs> of three, but what are some of the top things that you hear from people and how are you kind of helping guide them back into the workplace? What are some of your biggest pieces of advice? For yeah, no, it's a great question. I mean, the, the stresses are all over the map, right? From um, returning to work with a lack of sleep, high levels of guilt, comparing themselves to their colleagues, feeling like they're missing out on the first time a baby does X, Y, or Z, um, you know, employers who aren't as flexible as they would like, you know, any number of uh, challenges that new parents face when they're going back to work after parental leave. Um, through the Mindful Return programs, we structure our courses and our workshops all around four themes that we know from experience make for much more smooth and empowered transitions. And those four themes are one, a mindful mindset for going back uh, mm -hmm. to work, two, um, conquering, navigating the logistics of returning, uh, three, uh, viewing the leave and return through a leadership lens. So really thinking about how you can be a leader and what leadership skills parenthood is growing for you. And mm -hmm. then the fourth is all about um, staying in community and building the village that you're going to need as a working parent. So um, Kara, I could pause and maybe just give like one tip in each of those four categories, if that would be helpful. Um, but those tend to be the, the ways that we encourage people to structure their thinking. Mm, I love that. Well, I, I'd love to dive into each one of them. I think that yeah, sure. any, um, especially new parent listening could really get a lot of benefit from, from hearing those. So yeah, let's start with, um, mindful mindset for any of our listeners on the show. They know I'm really big into, you know, <laughs> um, mindset and having, and mindfulness. Um, yeah. so I'd, I'd love to hear your thoughts on that. Yeah. Um, I have two sort of practical suggestions on that. And both of them recognize the fact that brand new parents have like zero time margin. And so we're not talking about a big mindfulness commitment here. But I am talking about the fact that even a small, teeny tiny micro mindfulness moment can really have a positive impact on your day and not to diminish its effect. So two thoughts. One is that I love to multitask my shower in the morning. When I was a new mom, 
somebody once told me it really helps to set an intention for your day. And I said, oh, that's a great idea. And then I kept forgetting to set an intention. And, you know, the nighttime would roll around and be like, ah, forgot to set an intention for my day. And so I came up with an acronym for myself. And the acronym is IS, I-S-S, and it stands for Intention, Stretch, and Savor. And I use that acronym to remember in the shower every morning to set an intention for my day, do a couple of yoga poses and savor, savor the hot water, right? That's Mm. in the shower. Savor the fact that I'm alone and no child is attached to my body right now while I am getting ready for work. Um, And the intention for the day might be go to sleep at 9 p.m. tonight because you are exhausted and I don't care what work isn't done and what dishes are in the sink. Or the intention might be like, when you pick up your kid today, just like snuggle for five minutes instead of timer or something, you know, whatever it is. Yeah. Um, so that, that multitasking shower is one thing. The other thing that I'm a huge fan and of, I'll just that, have to stop oh, you there. So yeah. what kind of poses are you doing? Like tree pose? Oh tree, like, okay. Yeah. I mean, just like whatever you can move around in the shower, right. some oh warriors. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Um, cool. Even just bend over and touch your toes. Right. I mean, in right. the shower is a place to just move around and feel what needs to, to get mm. some wiggles out as our kids would say. Yeah, love yes, that. Exactly. You can do some eagle arms, you know, mm-hmm. but yeah, tree is a good one for the shower. Mm-hmm. The other thing is pausing before and after you boot up to work or as you're commuting. I mean, people will be maybe who knows returning into offices. One thing that I used to do um, on my way to work was I, you know, I live in Washington, DC. I took the Metro downtown and then I would walk from the Metro to my office. And every morning I would pause either on a park bench if it was nice out, or I'd go into a hotel lobby if it was raining or snowing. And I just sit there with insight timer on a wonderful meditation app for five minutes. Nobody knew where I was. It was a great opportunity to just sort of like reposition myself from mom role to work role. And that's something you can do you know, in your home office, in the chair, before you open the the laptop and you know, dive into work, just sit there and pause and take some, you know, deep centering breaths and reorient yourself to work. So in the mindfulness category, I think I can't overemphasize the importance of the micro, especially for new parents. Yeah. And I, I think that that's, um, that's huge. I mean, I, I'm a big meditation person and and mindfulness, but it is really hard if you're, you know, you're literally not really sleeping during the night. (laughs) My kids waited until a whole year to sleep through the night. Same here. Yes. yes. They were very long years. Mm -hmm. They were, it was. And then when I finally got a, a, full night of sleep. I was like, Oh my God, I'm like a new woman. <laughs> what is this like? What is this mm-hmm. energy? Um, you know, you kind of forget cause you get so used to just being sleep deprived. Yes. Um, so, but I love that it's again, it's in the micro, so mm-hmm. it doesn't have to be 20, 30 minutes. Like maybe what I'd advocate if you're not in that, like, you know, <laughs> life stage, yeah, life sure. stage. Um, but you know, just five minutes can make such a difference and can be so centering. And, uh, that's a great app insight, uh, timer. So, yeah, um, yeah. insight timer has been my go-to for years and years. I've written a couple of blog posts about why I love it. And then last fall insight timer reached out to me to ask if I would do some meditation. So now you can find a couple of my meditations on there too, you know, specifically for working parents. So I was just so excited that like all the worlds were colliding. Oh, that is so cool. I love that. Very yeah. cool. Um, yeah, no, that's a great tip. I used to also try to, when I was nursing, I would actually like put on some meditation music while I was I'm like, well, I'm going to 
to be here anyway. Like might as well just like use this time to. Yes, that is exactly the next meditation that I am working on writing, Kara, is meditation for pumping moms. Oh, no way. Need to focus on, you know, relaxing, getting a letdown, being present and patient during that time. Exactly. Yes. Yes. So no, that's great. Um, all right. So those are great tips. Now I know the next one was, I wrote down navigating the logistics. Yeah. Um, just, you know, going back to work, right? Exactly. So, I mean, there are a million logistical tips and tricks, right? So I'll just share one or two here. One is, um, to the extent you can phase back into work and phase baby into childcare, um, and not, have it be all at once. I found that that phase in to be uh, found that phase in to be really helpful. I thought um, initially that I would sort of be really sad to transition my child into childcare prior to my going back to work. You know, oh my gosh, I'm giving up a couple of days of my parental leave with him and whatever. And it turned out that the opportunity to send my son to daycare a few days before I had to face going back to the office was pretty revolutionary. One, it allowed me to go like get my hair cut and get some clothes that fit and put myself back together a little bit. I think I went and had lunch with a friend, you know, did normal grown up things. Um, right. and, and I was able on the very first day that I dropped him off at daycare, which I think was like a two hour stint. They had sort of a ramp up week plan. So it was two hours the first day, three hours the second day, et cetera. Um, that first day, I know I went to daycare. I dropped him off. I came home. I bawled my eyes out. I pumped. And then I went back and picked him up. And it was the end of the first day. So, you know, um, there are ways to sort of smooth it, smooth your reentry. There are also employers who have um, ramp up and ramp down policies that allow you for the first week to only, you know, go in shorter amounts of time for only a couple of days. The old adage, don't start on a Monday is a good one. You know, you don't have to go back on a Monday. Um so I think there are some phase in logistical uh, tips that can make life a little bit easier um, on the negotiation. And, and, and I'll just stop oh, you yeah. there. Cause like, I just want to point out too, or just, you know, from my own experience, I mean, even just from having friends that go back, like, you know, I'll get calls and, you know, people are bawling because they're just, you know, they're, they're emotional. It's, a, it's an yes. emotional time. Right. So I think that that actually is a genius way to just give grace to yourself and, mm. and also for, you know, your little babe too, so that they're kind of mm-hmm. getting used to this new adjustment and routine. So it's actually like yeah. a win for everybody, but yeah. one that you're right. Sometimes it's difficult to make that decision because you're like wanting to eke out every yes. single moment. <laughs> yeah. Um, but in, for the health and your own, like mindful return, it can make such a difference. Yeah. I also feel the need to point out here that it's okay if you're not bawling your eyes out. If you're like doing a happy dance that right. finally you don't have to figure out how to get that baby down for a nap and you get to have an adult conversation with someone else, it's okay to be excited too. I once had some mindful return uh, course alumni list out for me all of the emotions that they felt upon returning to work and they had 30 different emotions and they all were a big jumble and conflicted with one another. So I think it's totally normal to feel giddy and free and liberated and it's totally normal to feel heartbroken and like, you know, desperate and really um, sad and upset and lonely and all those, like all at the same time. So I just want to normalize that. No, that's, that's actually uh, a great point because 
uh, I've had many conversations with friends of mine that were, and we've talked about, you know, I'm an entrepreneur, I'm a business owner. And so I don't know that I could stay home every day and it's okay mm-hmm. if, if mm-hmm. you want to stay home too. I mean, that's yes. fine too. There's no judgment here, but we also, I mean, like you said, it is kind of nice to have sometimes that time at work where you can be a grown up and you can use your mind in a different way, you know? So, um, you know, no judgment, whatever works best for you, because we're all different. And that's what makes us, you know, human, human. (laughs) (laughs) So exactly. Yeah. Um, the last logistical tip I wanted to offer is around the idea of creating and crafting your schedule and logistics um, to sit down and, you know, carve out 10 or 15 minutes for yourself and sit down and brainstorm what, what sort of asks you want to make and what you think would help um, make life work for you upon your return. The mm. uh, Life has shifted dramatically since COVID, right? And people are doing things that a few years ago, we never would have dreamt about. But I, I want to recount a short story from a um, a couple of years ago, there was a woman who was taking the mindful return course and we did a lesson on negotiation and flexibility. And, you know, she was terrified to ask her employer if she could, um, you know, shift her schedule from like nine to five from, you know, instead she wanted to do eight to four or something like that. And she went and had a meal with her boss um, during her leave. And she was shaking and like, oh my gosh, I don't know what this person's going to say. And the woman said to her, I thought you asked me out to lunch to tell me you were quitting. What else do you want? Why did you just ask for only a one hour shift in time? And so <laughs> you need to be prepared for all circumstances and really like dream big and think, you know, what is it that would help me, um, you know, make life possible as a working parent and see if you can get it. If you can't, okay, then, you know, the other thing that I've found really helps in these negotiations is to propose something uh, for a time limited duration, say like, can we experiment with X, Y, Z schedule for the next three months and then reevaluate it and see how it goes. Then the person doesn't feel like they've just signed up for, you know, the rest of your career on whatever schedule. I'll pause there. I could keep going on, but flexibility and negotiating for it, I think is really important. No, that's so true. And being able to advocate for yourself. I think sometimes we, we, our mind naturally goes to worst case scenarios um, (laughs) in many, you know, so I think that that's a very natural human thing, but knowing that you have no clue what the person on the other side, you know, if you don't ask, you will never know. Right. Uh, you will um, never know. So, I mean, obviously my business is all negotiation, so <laughs> I'm more comfortable with it, but I know, you know, it's, it, it can feel very scary. And, and again, you just have to be able to ask and advocate for yourself because nobody else is going to do that for you in yeah. the way, you know, that you can. Yes. Um, and right so. now there's a great resignation going on. So, you know, there's a talent war. Yes. We can use that talent <laughs> war to our advantage. And there's a way to start that conversation with shared commitments and, you know, articulating to your manager that you are devoted to your job and you are committed to the missions of the organization. And these are the types of, you know, schedules and boundaries that are going to help you perform your job well. I mean, it can be framed in a way that's very business oriented. Absolutely. Because when you also approach it from a value driven perspective, like you're, and when also you're somebody that gives value to your employer, then they're going to want to work with you because as you mentioned, you know, um, there are, not as many, you know, 
the talent pool has shrunk because yes. people have also gone on to do their own things. And, you know, it's a, it's a big shifting workplace right now. So anyway, mm-hmm. that's a great, great point. So the last or no, the, the next yeah. one was about um, <laughs> leadership and yeah. looking for ways. This is so funny because my, my dad always used to say that uh, he really respected moms because he thought that they, they actually felt uh, he was in a, the military actually, and um, worked with a lot of different people, led thousands of people, but he was like, they come at perspectives differently, you know, parents mm-hmm. versus mm-hmm. non-parents. So anyway, I'd love to hear your thoughts on that and um, what your thoughts are on, on that leadership. Yeah. And So I think generally speaking, we know about the maternal biases that exist. Parenthood kind of gets a bad rap in the workplace. And what I like to do is to encourage new parents to sort of flip that narrative on its head and start asking yourself, what are the skills that you are gaining through parenthood that are going to be useful in your career? There's a neuroscientist who teaches at Yale Medical School who has uh, discovered that the one year following the birth of a child is the year that is the most neuroplastic in our brain of the entire adult human experience. So your brain is like exploding in that year following a child. And that's both for moms and dads, as long as whoever is like really engaged in the care of the child. And so what this means for employers is that there are these amazing skills and abilities that you're developing through parenthood that are going to be equally applicable to your job. I have a friend named Amy Henderson who wrote a book called Tending Parenthood in the Future of Work. And she talks about like the five career critical skills that parenthood gives us, Mm. everything from empathy and, you know, ability to take more risks to amazing levels of prioritization and identifying what's important. I'm sure you can think of lots of things, Kara, that you became better at because you are a parent. And I don't think we talk about these enough. You know, companies spend gazillions of dollars training people on leadership skills that parents are getting on the job from parenting. Um, And so, you know, I want everybody who's a parent here to just sit down and jot down, like, what are the top three things that you think you do better because you're a parent? And how can you talk about those in the workplace and make sure you're writing them on your evaluation and making sure your manager knows you have these skills? Mm, That's, it's so good. Yeah. And I think empathy and patience is a big one for me. (laughs) For sure. Yeah. I I love joking about the idea that I can now meet the needs of demanding clients who can't articulate their needs very clearly (laughs) Um, in spades. Definitely. Right. Um, Yes. And I always think too, just how I look back at before parenthood and I'm like, gosh, I had so much time. Like (laughs) I didn't realize how much time I had because I thought I was so busy, you know, but then as you become, you'd be just be able to, you're able to handle more because you're able to prioritize. It's very, you know, interesting how that happens. So yeah. What is important rises to the top so quickly whenever you are a parent. Yes, for sure. Um, All right. So let's go to the next one. Yeah. The last one is community and making sure that you're not isolating yourself and crying alone on the kitchen floor like I did. And I know many parents have done before me and after me. Right. It's really an opportunity to make sure you're finding your community and staying connected. Um, For example, when you are planning your return to work for the very first day, first week that you go back, can you make sure that you're having a lunch or a virtual coffee or some connection point 
with another working parent in your office or your division or neighborhood who has been through this transition before. They're going to know exactly the feelings that you're going through as you're making this transition. Um, I also am a huge advocate for working parent groups within companies and offices. I'm a serial founder of working parent and caregiver groups myself. And um, I also started um, a community that I uh, convene called the Working Parent Group Network, which has, I think we're up to about 220 leaders of working parent groups from government and for-profit and nonprofit and you know lots of different types of organizations. Um, wow. These groups can be amazing ways for parents to connect with one another. They're great for business development, quite frankly. Um, I have a friend who likes to say that the the playground is the new golf course, <laughs> or is it the other way around the golf? No, yeah, the playground is the new golf course. Um, yes. You know, I have gotten work, I've gotten business from going to a parent group meeting where, you know, there was a dad there, he was telling me about his kid. And then he said, I have this project, I think you could probably be great for it. So, um, I think to the extent you work at an organization that doesn't currently have a working parent or working caregiver group, but there are other affinity groups, it's easily one that can be sort of added to the model. Yes, it's work to set these things up, but they can reap really great rewards and help you to find your people within the workplace. Yeah, no, so true. And I think that's a really surrounding yourself with soul aligned people, you know, yes. is such a big, um, I think it's even more so maybe has come out of COVID, like how important mm -hmm. it is to just have people that like are, are, you know, aligned with you and, and that help support you and help you grow, you know, building community is, I think a, a huge lesson that we've all been through. Yeah. Um, yeah. and especially as you're, navigating this new role as parent, um, <laughs> is just so important to know that you're not alone, you know, yes. and that you don't have to, to your point, like, you know, don't go home and cry in the corner, just like, you know, outreach <laughs> because other people have been through it and they're going yeah. to be able to empathize with you and help you. And, and hopefully, you know, uh, and I think that what you're creating, um, because with your community, how could people get involved with what you're doing and, yeah. find, you know, uh, mindful return. I know you talked about some of the courses that you have. So if there is anybody, I mean, this has been incredible and you've given some great tips. Mm -hmm. Um, if somebody wants to get involved or take your course, what are those, what does that look like? Yeah. Um, and it really is the community aspect that I think is the magic sauce of mindful return and bringing people together. I had both of my boys in the winter time and it was a really isolating experience. And so I sort of set out to make sure that people weren't feeling that same isolation. Um, the mindful return courses um, are cohort based. So you're in a group of other new parents but they're also online and asynchronous. So you don't have to be anywhere at any given time of day or night, which I know is really a really hard thing for new parents. Sure. Um, we run a new cohort for new moms and for new dads every other month. So, you know, there's one in January and March and May and just on a rolling basis to pretty much fit everyone's parental leave timeline. Um, and you can find out more information about the courses um, on our website. We do have 85 employers that offer the courses as parental leave benefits. And so it may be that your employer already offers it or that they'd be willing to reimburse you for it. Or some people use their learning and development, you know, funds for it. And we also this year launched a Mindful Return 201 level course for 
parents who have already been through a transition back to work after parental leave and are still struggling with the work-life integration stuff that comes with working parenthood. Um, and so we've got another cohort of that running in May and in October of 2022 of this year. So, um, you know, we've got courses in English, we've got courses in Spanish, we have a program specifically for parents of special needs children who are navigating career and all that comes with having a child who has special um, healthcare or learning needs. We branched off into the UK, we've got chapters in India, and we're sort of rapidly growing, but our, our core uh, programs really are the our global course for new moms and our global course for new dads. Um, we also have a, I was just going to say, once you're in the Mindful Return community, you know, should you want to be, you can remain in the Mindful Return community until the end of time. Uh, we have monthly alumni calls. We've got a, a LinkedIn and a Facebook private group just so that working parents can find one another. I know when I was a new parent, it was easy to find sort of mommy groups for the time that I was on leave. But then when I went back to work, it was harder to find that community. So um, it's important to me that we have a place where working parents can continue to find one another. So much of what you're saying is it just like gave me goosebumps because I, mm -hmm. I wish that I'd had something like that, you know, because I think that it's easy to sometimes find what I found as a working parent is that it's easy to find the mommy groups, the, you know, but mm -hmm. sometimes I felt like I didn't totally connect with other people in the group because, and again, no judgment on stay at home versus working parent, but the challenges you face are different. And the experiences are very different. And so, you know, I, if in those mommy groups, it was great because we were able to bond over our kids, but then we just couldn't relate on other challenges that were going in on our lives because, mm -hmm. or like, I, you know, it's harder to just get up and meet for coffee during the day and have a play date. Like that's, <laughs> yes. you know, like I would be maybe coordinating a play date with our nannies potentially, or, you know, you can, you know, coordinate after hours or things like that, but it was just a totally different schedule, totally different uh, challenges. So having an environment and a, a group that is all working parents mm -hmm. um, is just, I think so needed and such an amazing thing that you've built. So, and if for anybody listening that thinks, gosh, like I wish my employer did have this, or maybe, you know, the head of a company that is looking mm -hmm. at how do we incorporate mindful return in, what does that look like? Sure. So you directly or how does that work? Yeah. If they go to mindfulreturn.com, there's a tab specifically for employers. They can read a little bit about our program. We have amazing retention uh, statistics. So um, if I can humble brag for a moment about mindful return, because this is why I created the program I, to stop this leaky leadership pipeline of working parents. Um, but the average, the, the national average uh, percentage of women who return after having a baby is about 64%. And we took a population of about a thousand people who had been through the mindful return program over a five-year period. And 85% of them were still with the same employer and 93% were still in the workforce. So it's an amazing retention pool um, for low cost and really just an opportunity to say to your employee, employee, like we really care about you. So, you know, feel free to go onto the website. You can submit one of our forms and you know, schedule a free demo and you can have one of your employees trial the program for free just to see if it makes sense for you. Um, we'd love to be able to show it to you and share it with you and see whether we can help and partner in really retaining your brilliant new parent talent. Yeah, no, that's, that's wonderful. And then I've got one other side question before I let you go. Um, we'll 
give all of that info in the show notes as sure. well. This has been such a pleasure. Like I said, I wish I'd had some of this information when I, <laughs> um, uh, you know, first had my little ones, but it's all relevant, even actually as they get older, you know, having that, um, group and that support is so important. Um, mm-hmm. but I'm curious just for your own business, you know, your mm-hmm. own, um, your own practice, what does that look like for you in terms of how you get inspiration or do you have any type of mindfulness practice? Like, what does that look like practically speaking for you? Um, more just as a side question for any business owners or yeah, I no, love that's asking gr- entrepreneurs that. <laughs> Great question. Um, I have a daily morning yoga practice. My boys are now nine and 11. And so I have a little bit more ability to not meet their needs on a minute by minute basis that, you know, was required when they were younger. So my morning is my time I get up, um, I take a shower and then I go straight to my yoga mat. I do sort of a a stillness meditation for three to five minutes. And then I do a movement yoga practice for about 15 minutes. So it's about 20 minutes on the mat before I get my day going. Um, During COVID, my husband and I also started a practice of swapping three hour chunks of time on weekends where Mm -hmm. I get three hours on Saturdays, he gets three hours on Sundays, and it's a chance to go refill our cup and, you know, go for a walk and talk to a friend and read a book and do whatever that thing is that we need to do. Um, And I think that's been incredibly life-sustaining. The last thing I'll mention is this isn't exactly a mindfulness practice, but it's an organizational and communication practice with a significant other. For probably seven or eight years now, my husband and I have had a standing Saturday evening meeting. Um, We call it the Saturday meeting. And we have a hot date on the couch where we are literally going through the logistics of the upcoming week, determining who is on point for childcare on any given day, um, mapping out food for the week, doing a monthly money conversation. And I have to say that that standardized communication tool and just knowing that that's a place where we can always bring the detritus of life and not have to deal with it during the week has probably been one of the more nurturing and marriage saving practices that we've had over the past near decade. That, uh, that is brilliant. You know, I think, um, two things, right. Number one, just the importance of carving out time for yourself. Mm -hmm. Um, and then also being able to have, you know, be in partnership with somebody where you can say, listen, this is what I need. This, what do you need? And like giving Mm -hmm. each other that space, I think is so huge. And then, you know, I think, having a weekly meeting is, is uh, just an amazing practice to do with your partner. I'd like to say that my husband and I do that, but we don't, um, but we could certainly benefit from that. I had interviewed, um, actually it was around last Valentine's day, Brandy Salazar. She's, uh, she has a book on the miracle morning for couples and mm. she really advocates that, um, time, you know, to really have kind of like a weekly meeting or, mm. and a monthly meeting to really go through. And I think that's, that's a huge, amazing tip that you just shared and, and one that we could, you know, as you, cause it's also important to keep, keep the partnership together, yes. you know, <laughs> um, yes. keep the family together and, and making time as a couple, as a committed, you know, a partnership is so huge yeah. and really life-saving, like you know, for how you can be better partners to your kids and be a better Mm -hmm. overall unit, you know? Yeah. And maybe you're sitting here saying, yeah, but my partner would never go for that. You know, you might be surprised, especially if you think in terms of 
how can you sweeten the deal for each other? Right. I had one woman who told me, well, when I told my husband, maybe we could do this meeting over like beer and pizza on Fridays, like we used to do pre-kids, he was all for it. So, you know, I have another friend who she goes on a monthly lunch with her husband now in the middle of the workday and they just pick one topic to focus on. So it doesn't have to look like, you know, the same ritual every week. It can be creative based on what's helpful for the couple. But I think it's just like setting up that regular pattern that really helps. No, so true. And again, as you mentioned, just catering it to whatever is going to work best for the Mm -hmm. two of you, you know, making it kind of a win-win for you both. So, um, so thanks for sharing, because I think that is a huge, um, a huge takeaway as well. So, so thank you again for being here, for being a part of the Soul Inspiring Business community. And I'm super excited to share this with our listeners. And again, if they want to contact you, mindfulreturn.com, we'll put everything in the show notes so that you know how to reach Lori. (laughs) And uh, any last words? Yeah. um, I mean, we're on all the usual social media channels. You can follow Mindful Return on Instagram and Facebook and all those good things. Last words. The return to work after parental leave is a process, not an event. So give yourself grace and patience and know that it's going to take like a good year (laughs) until you're feeling more like whatever quote unquote yourself is and know that, um, you know, you don't have to make any quick decisions. Everything's going to take time. Transitions and change take time. And that's just normal and human. And you're going to get through this because it's a season of life and it's always changing. So Mm -hmm. it's been so fun to have this conversation with you, Kara. Thanks for having me on. Always good to talk to another passionate working mama. Yes. Well, love that. And thank you so much for being here. Thanks for having me. Loved being here with you today and would love to connect with you more over on Instagram. My handle is linked to the show notes, or you can just type in at Kara Chafin Donofrio. And I have something special for you as a free gift my dynamic life journal. This special book has the power to really help you live a soul inspired life. Go to freegiftfromkara.com. Easy to remember freegiftfromkara.com. Until next time, beautiful people sending all my love.